This is a Shock Podcast. Shock. Steady or not, let's talk marketing. Welcome to episode 2 of Let's Talk Marketing with Sadie, aka myself. Alright, so today we're going to talk about influencer marketing. And what is influencer marketing if you are asking? Well, before that, whether you are a business owner or aspiring influencer or even a seasoned influencer, this episode is dedicated to you. Why? Because like it or not, influencer marketing is one of the latest promotional tools where brands will engage influencers to promote their products or services. Some of you may say, I don't like the word influencer. It's very cringy because of how some creators or influencers portray themselves on media. But I'm here to tell you that the word is officially being used in marketing textbooks because they have to acknowledge that there are certain people who have certain level of influence and followings. Therefore, they are also known as KOL, which is Key Opinion Leader. So you can think of influencers as a walking billboard and I always call myself a content creator but somehow the media labels me as an influencer so I feel like, you know, I would like to talk about what I do when a brand engages me. Basically, some people will say all you do is to just, you know, record videos and all. Yes, you are right but most of the time I'm thinking about how to help the brand or the business communicate their USP. Oh, I'm using all the jargons. That means unique selling point or unique selling proposition meaning what's so special about them how do I communicate what is so special about the business to my followings so the difference between me and a billboard is that billboard is generally catered to a mass group of people you know you drive past your NKVE highway you see the billboard doesn't matter you are the right audience or not the message will be communicated to you but for me because I have a certain set of audience therefore some businesses who are let's say they run food they are in the F&B industry they will engage me because they know that people who follow me they follow me because they want to see where I go and makan you know what's the latest food in the scene so today I have a guest who is actually giving me no headache at all because some of you might not know or may know that whenever I post a video about a certain restaurant, right, the common question I got is halakata. It's not that I have a problem answering that, but this gentleman here, his name is Peter Q, owner of Malatu. He makes my life so much easier because he already got the hala certificate done and ready in front of his shop. If you walk there, it's there. When people ask me, is it halakata? Look at the sign, jelah. So welcome to Let's Talk Marketing with Sadie, Peter. I'm so glad you are here and you want to do an introduction of yourself. Sure. Thanks, Sadie. Uh, It's really an honor to be here today. And just a quick introduction. My name is Peter Q and uh, I'm part of the owners of Malatup. And I'm also a food scientist who has this huge, huge passion for the F&B industry. So really glad that we're here today to explore this topic. Yeah, I am so impressed. I wouldn't say surprised. Surprised means, you know, I I look down on you. But I'm very impressed when you say you're also a food scientist. And not just you are food scientists. The reason why I think you are a very good guest because number one, when I spoke to you the other day, you seem you know your things, and also you think for the Muslim consumers who might be very particular about the halalness. As a Chinese business owner, you're like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna cater to my Muslim consumers by getting the halal cert. I'm like, that is just professional of you. Work ethic is good, and you basically know 
your stuff. You know, like to be honest, uh, the brainchild or the idea, the ideation of this whole business was really uh, because when we started off and we were actually brainstorming Sebab MCO kind like, and then like oh. a group of our friends, uh, we were like pitching on uh, ideas together and right before the MCO lockdown happened, it so happened that I was actually in Xi'an and if you don't know, uh, Xi'an is actually really famous for a lot of local archaeology, it used to be the old capital of China, you have terracotta warriors and all that there. But the one thing that really stood out to me was the Muslim quarters. Mm. So there's a region, whole area, all of them look Chinese, mm. but they're wearing Tudong and everything they serve is halal. Mm. And that really changed my perspective on what Chinese food should be. You know, like a lot of people think, ah, Chinese food must have pork lard and delicious Correct. and all that. But to be honest, when I was there, I thoroughly enjoyed it and it made me want to explore more uh, of this sort of food and as a Malaysian I always identify myself as Malaysian first okay. I, like people say like oh no like you're Chinese but I don't grow up in China so, like, so for me whenever they ask me about my race mm. I will always still take line line because oh. they'll, they'll ask you uh, Malay Chinese Indian mm. right I'll take line line and I'll put in Malaysian okay. So, okay. and as a Malaysian that I grew up here I, I have a lot of Muslim friends but it's so sad that you know as Malaysians we bond over food so much yep. and then unfortunately right uh, we are not able to share our food culture with our Muslim friends Correct. so I felt that you know uh, if I can do something that's within my means to be honest the halal certification is daunting there's a lot of all these false beliefs that we pass on from the older generation but as you dwell into it the Jakim system is beautiful I like like standard certifications I love it because they give you a framework they'll tell you oh this is what you need to do and then you follow lah. Mm. and when you follow it's not that difficult to be honest and when you follow the guidelines right H-A-Y, I also do my research you know like when you follow right and you really got it it means your place is really clean it's up to their standard because for you to get the certificate they are very strict yeah. but unfortunately like I said the reason why I mentioned you I purposely use the word Chinese because sadly to say I will be very honest here many Chinese owners right when they say oh we also want to serve our food to Muslim consumers correct you can do that but you don't take the extra step yeah. to think about whether okay what if they really care about the halalness and whatnot? you can't just say oh we don't have pork and then mm. call it a day that's not how yeah. it works right and also like many people use pork free and instantaneously like they make it summer something know, halal so I'm sure you have your experiences oh, on social media oh, all the time <laughs> so when we started this business uh, we know we're serving Chinese food we did our market research what's the main thing that consumers care most about it's actually mm. whether or not it's halal some you know it's Chinese food Correct. so to get that uh, halal certification is an extra effort but I think it's worth it because it gives uh, the consumers this you know peace in heart yeah that is very thoughtful of you now I'm not going to spend like two hours talking about the halal certification. If you guys have that question, please feel free to reach out to Peter separately because today I'm going to bring it back to influencer marketing. The reason why I have Peter on is because I have done promotional work for Peter's business, Malatup. And I've talked about as an influencer, you know, this is what I do and all. But I would like to hear from your point of view, your thoughts on influencer marketing as a whole. Like why did you go that route? So as you know, uh, we're SMEs. Yeah. And if you look at the landscape of Malaysia, more than 97% of the companies in Malaysia, they are SMEs mm. and they contribute like 38% of the GDP. For an SME, you don't have that kind of budget to engage like superstars, celebrities. Of course, if we can, you know, of course, I'm not talking about you're not a superstar, you are like a celebrity in a sense, but <laughs> I'm talking about those people who are like in the millions, who are in very much in the local scene. When they charge you for the amount, it's like a yeah. different level, you yeah. know. We're talking about a few hundred thousand, that kind of range. And not many uh, SMEs can 
afford that. Correct. So for us, with a very minimal budget, how do we actually then look into penetrating in the most cost-effective way? Mm -hmm. So when you look into it, even in media nowadays, it's so fragmented. We look at the TV media channels, even there are channels for catered towards Chinese, there are are specific channels catered towards English. Even within that, there are segments of fitness, F&B, you have uh, areas of beauty, food. So it becomes so fragmented that you need to have a hyper-targeted kind of campaign Mm -hmm. in order to make it in a very cost-efficient manner. So hence, after exploring everything, uh, we decided that, you know, influencer marketing is the way to go. In fact, with the landscape being so complicated and so fragmented, we need to be hyper-targeting our market segment. So that's one of the ways of why we're using influencers, really. That is a very smart answer. The reason why I ask you that is because there are some businesses who unfortunately do not believe in influencer marketing. I don't fault them, but what would be your advice for businesses who say, hey, can harap man, get this influencer, you know, all they do is look pretty, post with the food. Number one is the understanding of media evolution. Like in the past, when newspapers came out, when radio stations came out, many people don't believe it. Mm. You know, they maybe, uh, they're kind of like the laggards. It takes time for them to come to a very comfortable position of being accepting of this new technology. And I think uh, personally that as time progresses, you look at how we enter into the media era where television came on and then the smartphones came on in the 2000s, you know. Now, with the World Wide Web, I think there is this, uh, we need to be open to accepting new things. And perhaps even when TikTok launched, I myself <laughs> found it hard for me to adopt to it. And you know what? Uh, like, actually admit this, that I understood TikTok. Yeah. But it's just that I'm not in their market segment. But yep. unfortunately, because uh, of my business and my consumers are on TikTok, so it forced me to explore and to learn about the platform. And then when you understand the platform, my goodness, it's a whole new world in there. It's a whole new world. Yeah. And I think uh, generally also, I just want to talk about people who don't believe in influencers because influencers sounds like a jargon thing, right? Yeah, a lot of people to be honest, word. I like the word content creator much more. Same. Yeah, because Same. as you know me, I actually value influencers for the content they create. And because for me, content creators or influencers are in a way an artist. Mm. So we actually engage them. We give them the absolute free will to do things in their manner, in their style, with their personality. I don't want to force character onto them where then they're not authentic anymore. True. People follow you because you're authentic. Oh you know? My God. Brands, please take notice. <laughs> you know what I like about working with Peter is that I was given full creative freedom. Yeah. Like literally, you don't even ask for draft. Like you don't even tell me I want to see, you know, what you do and all. You are like, you just post lah. Yeah. And I told you if you leave it to me, I think I will deliver it the way it will be beneficial for both of you. But I also understand that sometimes brands can be a little bit hesitant because there are some influencers who don't wear the marketing head when they like, oh, Peter asked me to come and eat. I come here, I just record the video, I make it look aesthetic. Done lah. Yeah. And I think that is the reason why people find it like, if I hire this content creator, this is the kind of work that I get. So how do you seek out influencer to promote your business? I think first off, you need to really understand your own market segment. Who actually are you catering your food, your business to? Mm. And who are the people that you are targeting? And from there, then you look out onto profiles of people uh, who have or share the same market audience. And through them, you get a really authentic uh, response. People follow each other for a reason, you know, like uh, people follow the majority, like for food, for example. When you speak of certain things or you put out a review, it's an honest review. There's so much trust that's being put in your review. And I hope. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I, but but anyway, regardless of that, at least 
the exposure is is already a win. Mm. So because people get to know you. And at the end of the day, I always think of uh, influencers, they are not like a profit guarantee thing, you know? Like people think that... Thank you! That's, that's what I think as a business because at the end of the day, promotion is only one part of the four piece. You have the product, you need to have the right place. It is a total package. Yeah, pride, you need yeah. to get the whole package right. And... Marketing is just one aspect of the whole business. Correct. And, you know, thank you so much for mentioning the part where you, it's not profit guaranteed because even as a creator, right? I tell you, I've had many creator friends myself, known that name dropping, don't ask. It's like, I've seen some people who just take on deals after deals after deals and of course, easy money, you know? Mm. If you have a certain following, you just take the deal. But for me, right, sometimes even when I accept a certain like engagement, right, I will be like, what if this doesn't work? Like I always think about what if the views is not as good as I hoped, it didn't go viral. Of course, just a quick note, if you're a business owner, please don't harap your video to always go viral. You cannot manufacture virality, okay? It doesn't work that way. You have to pay the platform X amount of money to make videos go viral but it's too fake but if you want it to like organically do well it's not that easy sometimes you have to be at the right place at the right time the product is super out of the world but my point is there's only so much an influencer can do when it comes to awareness marketing this is why you know in marketing funnel oh my god we're going back to marketing class you know the first stage is always awareness some brands unfortunately before they expect people to even know they exist they already want sales yeah, I think I understand where you're coming from uh, because it's because as consumers, we don't like to see ads. Correct. Even though if you're an influencer that I follow, when I know that it's a sponsored post, yeah. the engagement automatically drops. I know. So unfortunately, influencers need to makan also. Correct. <laughs> so to re-angle this really, the way I look at it for social media influencers is that we are living in an era when we are constantly bombarded by ads. Correct. And social media influencers uh, helps us to cut through that noise, to retarget the audience in a very effective manner. So because people like to listen to real, authentic truths, you know, they want to listen to your opinions, what you think about it, whether or not to buy or to purchase or to convert, you know, that conversion is totally up to them. But at least as a social media influencer, the important part is that you are reaching out my product, my business to the target audience that I need. So that's where I'm always coming from. That is, thank you so much. I would love to say, you know, if you are listening to this again and again, you all, I cannot guarantee sales. In fact, no influencers or content creators or KOL can tell you that if they make a video for you, confirm will have sales. Mm-hmm. If they say confirm, that means they ask their mother, their father to buy. That is the, <laughs> the reality. <laughs> but of course, you can't just say, oh, we cannot guarantee profit. And of course, we already established that we cannot guarantee profit. But you can't just say, oh, I'm going to buck a certain budget for influencer. And just like that, how do you measure success of the work and whatnot? I think uh, as a business owner, what I felt uh, is that number one, uh, definitely engagement and awareness is one thing. Mm. So when uh, we look at, uh, we actually always get metrics from the influencers and then we compile them, then you can actually uh, work out on the cost per reach Mm. and then you realise actually it's a lot cheaper compared to, you know, throwing on mass reach kind of advertisement or even campaigns. Yeah, billboards, for example. (laughs) You can't tell like the billboards like, oh, how many people have seen this billboard? It's very hard. So at least from social media influencers, you get those metrics. Mm. Then you can at least peg it. But aside from that, of course, real conversions, profits, you know, not a guarantee. 
warranty, but to a certain extent, a successful campaign will always show you some form of conversion. So even for Myotip itself, what we have seen is that, number one, is that after uh, engaging all our influencers, we have actually seen the sales like coming up. Mm. And because in the past, no one knows about us, we're in this like back row of TDDI that mm. you can't, you don't really go there. It's not where traffic usually goes to. So we are really, really that. thankful for influencers who reach out. <laughs> no, actually, it, you just waste it, it's there, okay? It's a TTDI. It's not so hidden like what he said, okay? Let's not kill your business like that. Alright? Now, here's the part where we spill the tea. Alright. Do you have any horror stories working with influencers? Uh, no need to name drop. Uh, After the show, you can. Uh. Much earlier on, we do have influencers who approach us and they actually do quote us. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay. I have to cut you. They approach you and then they quote you. Yeah, so they will actually quote us and offer us that we see you guys doing uh, influencer programs. Uh, so we are actually a group of influencers and we are here to actually, you know, share with you this pitch so uh, and this is the price for it and we're gonna do like how many postings and things like that so it's a different way around but the thing is when you look into their profiles sometimes we do our screening you know we of do our course, due diligence of course so, to a certain extent you know you can see because we always categorize our influencers mid-tier top-tier or even yeah. KOCs by the number of followers and engagement and sometimes uh, a lot of times especially in Malaysia as this area has been booming a lot of people are getting unauthentic followers they buy followers yes I'm, I try to put it nicely but you know. actually, yeah. <laughs> and and you can tell it actually uh, there are engines that you can use to you know verify whether or not they are they're true mm. uh, and that's sadly one of the cases where we start to notice that you know there are certain people who are trying to monetize it in a untruthful way yeah okay is that the the nightmare the only nightmare i think not only that oh, okay yes do uh, tell there are some people who are quite hard to handle oh. not you you are really nice just because i have you on the show you don't have to like that okay you don't have to be okay i don't think i was hard to no. i mean because you were very easy to work with yeah. and you trust me yeah the, the best thing about working with you and other businesses who i have very good relationship with is that you guys really know what i do yeah so you kind of like i think he knows what he's doing so the mm. trust is there and i think when we establish trust with each other right oh my god, the work is going to come out very beautifully. Yeah. But your side, what is the heart? What's the story? So that people who listen to this, you don't repeat whatever that the nightmare person is doing, you know? There are certain dramas, for example, Ooh. like the posting itself, uh, maybe it's not complete on time. Or oh. The quality of the post is not what you wanted. It could have been done better. But then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the content creators themselves do not want to revise the formats. Mm. For example, like if I can give you a total free hand mm. and if I have to tell them to rework on it, it, it means like, you know, it's not good. Mm. It's quite dangerous. Mm. So, hence, those are some of the examples. Yeah. You know, okay, but I have to, to rewind a little bit when he said, uh, if okay, listen, if you're an aspiring influencer or you're already an influencer or you call yourself one, okay, please don't go to a business and then say you need to pay me to make a video for you. Unless they approach you themselves, you should go there and eat. The beauty about paying for your own food, let me tell you, content creators, is that you are able to say whatever you want unfiltered without offending Peter's feeling. <laughs> like, okay, if he pays me, right, and I've... Okay, let's be real here. Malatub didn't serve bad food. But if in the event, right, there's a food that is really terrible, you know, because he paid me, I have to think about, oh my God, number one, how is he going to feel if I say, ayo, the food teruk. 
or two now i'm lying to my audience so the best part is you go into a business pay for your own food you poor is it no we're entitled i feel like some influencers are very entitled you know yeah why am i bashing them when i'm also part of the community <laughs> but that's the reality of it a lot of i've also heard about stories where people will walk into a shop and then they're like ah I'm also an influencer that you pay for the food. Eee, mm. Have you dealt with people like that? Uh, very yet. seldom nowadays. Mm. I think it's also because I think uh, in the past, we always feel that the following number is very important. But now as you look into the, the direction of the segmentation of how we actually categorize influencers, this new segment called KOC, I think is very interesting because they don't have a big following. What is that? Uh, key opinion consumers. So they are actually a level where they are in the few thousands, you know, they don't Mm. really have a massive following. Uh, I think predominantly it was this term started off from China when they're doing their marketing and from KOCs, they are actually considered very authentic reviews because you can ask them to review a product and they have the right to choose whether or not they want to review your product. And usually it's free because they don't have a big following. Mm. You just give them a product and then you can ask them, oh, if you want to post a review for me or whatnot. Mm. So, but KOCs typically, they are seen as very, very genuine because they don't do this for a living. They don't do reviews for a living. Mm. But because you are sending me your products, your services, and if I try them, I like it, I'll post it on my social media. Mm. And the people who see it are typically my friends, my family members, you know, uh, people that I know of maybe. Hence, uh, from there on, I think KOC is actually a very interesting segment. Yeah, and this why, right? Sometimes when uh, we have businesses who call my manager and then they say, oh, can you come over to our place and bring your influencer friends? See, I have a problem with that. <laughs> why must it be influencer friends? Do you think my friends who may not have like billion, billion followers, right? They don't have influence. Sometimes they have. Yeah. It's always, right? The ones with like, who do this just as a hobby. Yeah. They don't even take it as a living. They like, they go somewhere and eat, right? They're like, oh my God, this food is trash. Don't go. And then, sometimes people will believe in them more than me. So you mentioned that they invited you to review their food products. Mm-hmm. How do you like respond to them now being an influencer if they send you a message and say, hey, Sadie, come review my food. I'll, uh, it's free or not. Mm. Uh, you, know, you don't need to pay for anything. Mm. Bring your influencer friends. So what's mm. your response to those kind of questions? Uh, so the response, okay, first is uh, we don't do this for free because I have to say some of us do this for a living. I cannot just take this as a hobby anymore because I'm Jewa book and busy. So now I'm <laughs> doing podcasts and you know I'm doing a lot of things. And I cannot afford to just do it for free out of nowhere. You have to compensate your content creator. If you believe in your content creator's work, you should at least think about compensating them. Like for example, okay, I will digress a little bit. Hotels as an example. I have to say this. Some of them they're like, oh, we give you free stay. Correct lah. But first of all, if your hotel in Klang Valley, right? I also have a house in Klang Valley, ma. Mm. Why I have to purposely go there? And then I have to put my pets for boarding. You know, expenses. Now I travel there. So who's covering all that? Right? And I feel like you have to pay. And also, if you tell me about, oh, you need to bring influencer friend, my, my answer is like, no, I don't have law. Mm. I don't, I mean like, why? One, one is not good enough, is yeah. it? So just, hence, uh, what I was going to say just now was that everyone is an influencer in their own... Correct. Right. Yeah. We all have our own areas of circle of influence, like it or not. So as long as if you're on social media, you are, in a way, an yeah, influencer. People who are absolutely against the word influencer, sometimes you are one. Yes. You just don't know. Exactly. Whether it's positive influence negative influence is still you are influencing something you know a lot of people that like, I hate influence yeah because you are looking at the problematic ones out there but sometimes you know if you could just advise hey today right I was eating at this place right it's good you know you all should try and then people go and try congratulations you are one yay <laughs> <laughs> 
So I I like to touch on like one thing uh, because since you are now a like really successful in the hey, social media oh, right okay. uh, on TikTok or even on Instagram mm-hmm. your own Twitter I mean you know <laughs> highly engaging I believe like there's always this halo effect around you like people expect like oh Sadie Sadie you're famous now we follow you uh, I I follow you for what you like so everything that Sadie say about a restaurant must be true <gasps> okay so if Sadie say something wrong it's Sadie's fault so ah. do do you feel that or would you agree to that sentiment um I appreciate people for having that trust on me mm. but I also have to tell people sometimes I have gotten to a level right where you cannot expect me to be harsh and also honesty doesn't mean that I have to bash a place if I enjoy the food be I enjoy the food if the food is good I can't go and bash the food for no yeah. reason a lot of people equate honesty with negativity like I must hantam the business why no and nowadays right I have to acknowledge that I have a certain level of influence I cannot be too harsh or too mean to a business sometimes people deserve a room to improve mm. right I go there I hantam bash 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 and then what if it's just that one day when the cook macham off a bit you know and then I have a bad experience I'm like, oh, don't go there huh? if you go here huh, you will regret and then you know it's gonna create that kind of effect yeah. and I do not want that because I feel like now I am destroying someone's livelihood hmm. do I really want to go that route no lah but I do think that people must also remember one thing what I say about a place is my opinion it's my own review Yeah. you know you have a functioning brain, you can also go and try it yourself. Like sometimes I have to tell people, you please remember one thing. Eh? If you had a bad experience at a restaurant, I wasn't there. Mm. When I went there, I had a good time. Yeah. So you can't just tell me like, oh, I had a bad experience at Malatu. How can you say nice? Must be because you got paid. That's why you say nice things. Then that's not fair for me. Yeah. You know? So am I supposed to say the same? Like, oh, I also, I think you are lying. You're trying mm. to slander Malatu because I had a good time. You see, you would never win. Yeah. Just respect everybody's opinion. That's all I'm saying. Right now. From your angle, how do you then balance, you know, your mix of paid reviews and unpaid reviews? So, I think sometimes paid reviews, I, I think people will know. Yeah. Especially when I started getting very, you know, I use the jargons, I use the brand names, yeah. you know. Oh, I think people will know lah. But most of my followings, they kind of know that, okay, even though I am not, you know, I'm sponsored, they kind of know that at least I'm quite okay. And because I always tell brands, I refuse to be like, oh, sedap, nak mampus. Oh, tak masuk akal. <laughs> I was informed, I was told to say that line. Oh. For a business, the whole thing didn't work out because mm. I feel like it's a disrespectful thing. to. Oh, tak masuk akal. This is so good. Why? If a food is good, just say, oh, it's sedap. Oh, it's crispy. It's enough. It's too spicy. Don't need to do the extra Kwa Chong face, you know, Kwa Chong mm. means exaggerated, you know? Feels like we are co-hosts, can? <laughs> I, I like it. I like the vibe. It's a very good conversation. Okay, so, I want to ask you something. Do you think that, circling back to the non-influencer marketing yeah. conversation, yeah? Do you think a business should have a niche or, okay, what I'm trying to say is that because your niche, right, am I correct to say that Malatup's niche is a Muslim focus? I think for all brands, uh, we do have uh, a certain area of focus, mm. but to place it too niche will make it too tight for any businesses. So, for example, with Malatub itself, in the FMB, if we are accessible to the Muslims, we are also, in a way, accessible to Chinese and Indians. Mm. So, why cast our net so small when uh, we are we can actually have a much bigger market 
uh, okay. access, you know. So for us, I think we are considered niche for now simply because we are very novel. Mm. Because it's not very common for mala food to be halal. And predominantly, it requires education. Right. So hence, uh, it starts as niche, but we're trying to grow it uh, and to educate the consumers that, hey, uh, it's not only that the Malay Muslims can eat. Like for example, mitare that's very popular oh, nowadays. Very popular, yeah. yeah. It's not only catered towards the Muslims. Mm. In fact, Chinese people can eat it. Mm. Indians can eat it. Oh no, I some enjoy of them the got, food. Yeah, some got beef mitare So not in... Oh, yeah. uh, please remove the beef. <laughs> yeah. Not for you too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, before we close this, right? Okay, so just give a very quick advice to let's say, right, a non-Muslim approaches you and say, Peter, I also want to open my business. I also want to also get, you know, Muslim customers to enjoy my food. What would be your advice? I think uh, first off, it's really uh, to find someone that who understands regulations and uh, not many people out there who studies. There are actually some consultants out there or you, if you are actually technically sound, it's actually you can actually get the standards and you know work your way through it but probably because from my work experience I have I've been dealing with things like ISO GMP HACCP so for me halal is quite e- easy quite simple but the thing is that always understand the regulations there are so many bodies now governmental bodies for example even on Jakim mm. they actually have certain grants that you can apply uh, to, to get your halal certification because Malaysia itself we are a halal hub we are famous that you know we are the top number one standard for halal in the mm. region and I think uh, it's that itself is a testament. So if you can get it, it's so well studied that, you know, they have really proper guidelines to guide you through the whole thing. So just contact them directly if you need to. The way you know more than so many business owners is so impressive. Well, anyway, I think that's about time for us to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Peter, for, you know, joining me, sharing your opinion about influencer marketing and a little bit of the halal side of the business. In the next episode, we're going to talk about something that Peter mentioned, the four P's. What are the four P's? Ah, that's why you have to continue to listen lah. Right? Thank you for listening, Sayangs. 